Hello everybody, Sean McMahon here. This is part three of our First Thessalonians chapters four and five study, the rapture chapters. Now before we start, I just wanna remind you, this is a YouTube channel and we thrive off of subscriptions, we thrive off of interaction, so please subscribe, like, and turn on notifications so you'll know when a new video comes out. We're almost at a thousand viewers. I think we've had 62 new subscribers in the past month or so, which is pretty exciting for me. And when we get to a thousand, I want to do something special. And I also want to say, I'm getting a lot of comments recently. I can't quite respond to all of them right now because one, it's holiday time, and B, uh, we actually have another baby uh, due very soon. So I am reading your comments. I want to get to uh, your questions, especially, and I, I will, but probably not till the other side of, of this year. So any questions you have, I will try to get to in 2023. But without further ado, let's jump back into the study. So we're going to start by backtracking. And we want to remember that the entirety of these last two chapters of 1 Thessalonians are devoted to the instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It says that in 4 verse 2. And an exhortation specifically to excel more and more. That's in uh, verse 10. What does Paul mean? By excelling more and more. Well, he shows this by following up with instructions for how brothers can be self-sufficient. He says, aspire to live quietly, attend your own matters, and work with your own hands as we instructed you, right? He keeps referring to instructions. Uh, but this is all to the end that they will behave properly toward outsiders, okay? So excelling more and more is about more than just brotherly love, that is charity within the Christian body. Since the Thessalonians are so good at brotherly love that they don't need anyone to write to them, is what he says. So Paul is instructing them about how to treat and how to regard outsiders. Now, having brought up the outsiders, he then begins talking about those who have fallen asleep. Okay, so let's dig into this language. And let's now consider the meaning of these fourth chapter passages about those who have fallen asleep in light of Paul's exegesis of the sleep terminology in chapter 5. Why? Because when a Bible writer so readily gives us the keys to exegesis, we really ought to avail ourselves of them. And this is precisely what Paul did for us regarding chapter 4 with his interpretive keys in chapter 5. Now, Paul says, you are not in the darkness, but he says, instead, you are sons of light. He says that in chapter 5, verses 4 through 5. This here is our first interpretive key. Sons of Light is a direct reference to the words of Jesus Christ, recorded by John in the 12th chapter of his gospel, verses 35 through 36. For a little while longer, the light will be among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become, ding, 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 sons of light. Okay, what is the meaning of sons of light? Well, the author of this gospel, John, he tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, that God is light. So to say sons of light is another idiomatic expression. If God equals light, then a son of light is a son of God. Sons of God equal sons of light, or children of light, children of God. Now, it's interesting that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, Paul says, sons of light and sons of the day. Well, which day is he talking about? 
We'll jump back to verse 2, where Paul established the context. He's talking about the day of the Lord. So Paul is making a triple entendre here. The children of God are also the children or sons of light, as well as the sons of the day. So the brothers he's writing to in Thessalonica are not in the darkness, but they, as Jesus said, believe in the light so that they may become sons of light. So from this, we can actually extract a syllogism. If those who believe in the light are sons of light, then those who do not believe are in darkness. And those who are in darkness, Paul says, belong to the night. Now, see what Paul says about those who belong to the night and darkness. He says, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as the others do, but let us remain awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So those who belong to the night, they do two things. They get drunk and they, ding, 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 sleep. And those who are sons of the day, notice the word he used, they remain. Interesting recurrence of the word remain, by the way, right? We'll get back to that. But they remain awake and sober. Okay. So Paul has drawn together all of these terms and connected them to two basic meanings, the faithful and the unfaithful. The faithful are the sons of light, sons of the day. They are awake. They are sober. The unfaithful, on the other hand, they belong to the night and to darkness. The unfaithful are asleep and they are drunk. Now what? Does any of this have to do with Paul's stated purpose at the beginning of this discourse to encourage the Thessalonians to excel more and more? Well, let's pull in a parallel passage from 1 John for comparison, because in 1 John chapter 2, John is essentially doing the same thing that Paul is doing. He's reminding his flock of prior instructions, and he's urging them to love. Check this out. We're going to start at verse 7. He says, Beloved, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had from the beginning. This commandment is a message you have heard. Then again, I am also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you. Now stop here. This is very similar to Paul's opening words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. John is talking about prior commandment. Paul is talking about prior instructions. John says this commandment is true in him, in Jesus. Paul encourages the Thessalonians in the Lord Jesus to obey their instructions, which were given by the authority of Jesus. Okay? Interesting parallels, right? That's just the beginning. Now check out where John goes with this. He continues in verse 8. For the darkness is fading, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, he is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother remains in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Well, wouldn't you know it? Just like Paul in 1 Thessalonians, John is talking about faithfulness in terms of brotherly love. And he uses the same idiomatic language of light and darkness. But John is talking about brotherly love only. 
Paul said the Thessalonians didn't need to have anyone write to them about brotherly love. So actually, what John is writing about is, dare we say, a level below what Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians to do. Because Paul isn't teaching about how to behave toward Christian brothers, but outsiders. Take note then of what John and Paul are saying. John says that believers who don't love their brothers are in darkness. And this has a bit of the flavor of James 2.24 when he says, you see a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone, right? Paul, on the other hand, says that outsiders are in darkness. Now, if we take these together, it's actually hard to tell which one is leveling up more against the other when you really think about it. Because on the one hand, Paul is saying, love outsiders. On the other hand, John is saying, if you don't love your Christian brethren, you basically are an outsider. So 1 John 2 and 1 Thessalonians 4 through 5, whether intentionally or not, we probably can't know. They're very similar. They both tell us in their own ways something very profound and mind-blowing about Christ. In the next part, we're going to see how Paul is going to get us there. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying this uh, series, this study series. I hope you're finding it edifying. Again, leave any questions in the comments or feel free to reach out via email uh, in the link tree. And uh, I will try to get to your questions as soon as possible. But like I said, probably not till the new year. But guys, happy I could squeeze this one in today. Merry Christmas. See you on the other side of the holidays. God bless.